0: Great. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Hand That Rocks the Cradle. I'm Hina, the founder of Houses Zelina. And today we have the amazing Lynn Shulte from Denver with us. Lynn is not just any expert. She's a seasoned birthing healing specialist and pelvic health physical therapist with over 30 years of wisdom to share. We're thrilled to have you, Lynn.
1: Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Ina, for having me. I love any opportunity I get to share what I know <laughs> to help moms. That's amazing, Lynn.
0: Um, we'll dive right in because I have a lot of questions for you. And we begin with my very first question, which is, um, You've seen over the course of these years, several women. I'm sure. Can you describe the common postpartum changes that happen in the body of a new mother?
1: Yeah, um, there's lots of them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've worked over I've worked over several thousands of postpartum women in the past um, two decades, and um, there are things such as difficulty taking a deep breath baby takes up space in the abdomen and depending on how it punches or kicks or stretches out it can move the organs the liver the stomach jammed up into the diaphragm it could expand the rib cage and cause that diaphragm not to be able to take a full breath and the the rib cage can can get expanded so that the the number on your bra is uh gets bigger you know so the meaning that the entire width of your rib cage has expanded, and it can get stuck there. So that's one big pattern I see. That's not as common as all the patterns that I see in the pelvis. Um, there are many, many different ways that the pelvis can get stuck after birth. So the bones of the pelvis, and I've got a little mini pelvis here, Um, For those of you listening in, you might want to check out the video, but pelvic inlet is the top part of the pelvis, and that needs to widen for a baby to get into the pelvis. And then once it hits the level of the pelvic floor muscles, that's a sign for the bones to start opening and going the opposite direction. And so then the tailbone or the lower sacrum has to move backwards and... The um, sit bones here need to widen out to the side. And depending on the position you were in when the baby came out um, will depend on the impact of what position these bones can get stuck in. So one sit bone, those bones, if you're sitting right now and if you kind of wobble back and forth, you're sitting on those sit bones. Those are your ischial tuberosities. And one can get more splayed out to the side than the other. Let's say if you gave birth on your right side, that right side is anchored and can't move. So the top side, your left side, has to open up more in order for that baby to come on out. And that means that your left sit bone might feel a little cattywampus in there feel a little off-center. You might feel a little uneven as you go to sit. That's a sign that your sit bones were affected from birth. Um, the tailbone moving backwards is actually called sacral flexion. That's the motion that the sacrum goes to, to widen the outlet for a baby to come on out. And I am finding sacral flexion in a lot of my postpartum moms. And this this um, pattern, you're going to notice it by being having pain laying on a hard surface on your back. So if you're laying on your back and you're, you know, for people who like to do yoga and they're laying on their yoga mat, they're like, oh gosh, my tailbone, my sacrum, it just hurts to lay on my back. It could be that your sacrum is stuck in sacral flexion. And we need to help bring this bone back to its original position. We need to help bring these sit bones back to their midline position to help the pelvic floor muscles attach to all these bones. And when these bones are stretched open in what I call an open birthing pattern, then the pelvic floor muscles are gonna be on stretch and they're not gonna be as strong as they need to. And there's there's just problems with the pelvic floor muscles being weak. And so those are, that's kind of the, um, some of the more common patterns that I find in the pelvis. Um, Internally, so if you have a vaginal birth, the bladder that sits right behind this pubic bone can get smushed off to one side. So as that baby's head comes through, that bladder can get kind of pushed off to one side. And I usually find it mostly off to the left-hand side. And um, I'm not sure if that's because the baby actually should come into the pelvis sideways and it has to rotate. So I'm not sure if that's rotation is what pushes it off or if it's just the way the baby's head comes in that pushes off. Something is pushing it off to more likely the left-hand side. When the bladder, and I can find the cervix anywhere internally um, after birth, so it can be... Well, it's supposed to be right in the center. So your cervix, um, which is the end of your uterus, and the cervix is what needs to dilate in order for baby to be born. That cervix can be tucked off to the left, to the right, can be tucked backwards. It can even be poking into your bladder, which makes you feel like you have to pee all the time. So getting the cervix back into its midline position, getting the bladder back into its midline position really does change or um, It makes the pelvic floor muscles instantaneously stronger. And so these things that I'm sharing with you all are not common knowledge for most practitioners. These are patterns that because in my practice, I just started working with postpartum clients. That's all I was seeing. And that's what helped me to identify all these patterns. I wasn't seeing a bunch of older women, younger women, you know, non-pregnant, pregnant. I was just seeing postpartum clients. And that's what helped me to discover these patterns. And so I have courses, I teach other body workers, other practitioners PTs, uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, chiropractors, massage therapists, they all come to my courses to learn how to help bring these bones back to the midline, how to help get the organs back into their better position, how to release the rib cage so that things can come back together. Um, And so there's uh, a couple other common patterns. One is that the abdominal wall, Um, the muscles that run down the front of ours that are those six pack muscles called the rectus abdominis muscles, um, they get separated. So everybody during pregnancy, it's a natural thing for them to widen. And the connective tissue that holds these two muscle bellies together gets stretched out and it can create what we call diastasis recti. Well, the common pattern I see with that is that the side muscles, the muscles that are wrap around on either side of your trunk are are oblique muscles. We have oblique internus, oblique externus, and they can get tight during pregnancy. And that can cause those muscle bellies, that rectus muscles in the midline to get held apart. And so I just wish every postpartum client, everybody who's had a baby, would just know how to release those oblique muscles so that the recti muscles can come back to the midline. So, learning how to stretch out those side walls of her belly can really help release the, um, those recti muscles in my courses for professionals. I teach an oblique release and also a recti release, releasing the fascia that gets tight, that holds those six packs muscles in the midline. And, um, that really, really can facilitate healing of uh, diastasis recti. Um, so there's just, there's so much, there's, there's issues called collapse. I'm sorry, I could keep going on. I know this <laughs> be a dialogue. Um. But let me just talk about prolapse real quick, because most people and most practitioners are looking at prolapse, which is a falling of your pelvic organs. So, And it's not like they really fall. The pelvic organs just getting out of place. Mm -hmm. And um, the body is designed to not have anything fall. And really what could be happening is that the pressures that you're putting on your pelvic organs, so I'm talking your bladder, your uterus, your bowel... Too much pressure down can cause those organs to kind of get pushed out of place, get misplaced in their pelvic space. So it can feel like you have a tampon that's not in the proper place. Like it's falling halfway, falling out. You could have heaviness that gets worse by the end of the day. Those are all signs that um, you may be dealing with some organs not in their proper place The um, and one of the big things that I find in my practice is I talked about that bladder gets pushed out. Well, it also gets dragged out as that baby's head comes through the pelvis. And if we have any tearing in the vag- in the pelvic floor, in the perennial area after birth, that scar tissue can actually kind of tug and pull. Because the scar tissue at that opening is connected to all the organs internally. And um that can help to get the, if we release that scar tissue and release the fascial pull, we can help get those organs back into their proper place. Now, when I'm dealing with prolapse and my clients have prolapse, it's a postural issue because the posture, we're either supporting our pelvic organs or we're not. It's a pressure issue. We're either putting too much pressure down and we're not managing that pressure from down below. And it's also a scar tissue. It's a restriction fascial pulling issue for those organs. So those are all the most common issues that I find in the postpartum body. That's not much, is it?
0: <laughs> so Lynn, I have had two normal degrees. I have two young daughters. Uh, I can tell you for a fact that I did not know this was a thing. Because every time I do yoga and I lie down, I have this pain in the tailbone. And for me, what you just said, it's like an eye opening. (laughs)
1: Yes, yes. Something is wrong and I need to fix it. Uh, Yes, yeah. So I do have a... um... I have a free course, so what you can do actually is if you have some sort of block or maybe a soft ball or something that you could put on your lower, don't put it on your tailbone, but right above your tailbone and you just lay on it, that pressure may help bring this bone back to its original position, okay? So... You can help, you can try to treat yourself um, and just help encourage, or you can have your partner, if you're laying on your belly on the floor, your partner can come, again, don't have him push on your tailbone, but if you push on that lower sacrum, just towards the ground, that might help get that into a better position don't create pain okay don't let anyone create pain when they're working on you to me that pain is a sign that the body is not happy uh, the tissues don't like what you're doing and they're fighting you and so we I teach that we should never be creating pain when we're working now there's a difference between pain and maybe a stretching or a burning pain because um the tissues are are being stretched that different than creating pain pain okay so there is a difference
0: so I'm going to do two things first off I'm going to try what you said Lynn (laughs) okay please do just absolute tomorrow and uh, the second thing I'm going to do is you did mention a free course I'm going to make sure
1: that uh whenever we oh my free course I'm sorry I mentioned that my free courses is professionals only I don't want many people taking that free course. I do have a common postpartum patterns course that help you understand more of these patterns that I'm talking about. But I really, um, that that free course uh, is mainly for professionals, okay? So I do have a ton of videos on YouTube. Um, So Institute for Birth Healing channel, look for the exercise to close the pelvic bones. That is something that anybody can do. And that it's, um, you resist your knees going together and you resist your knees apart. And that can help bring these bones back into their midline position. So that is something that I would like to offer everybody listening into this call is the how to close the bones after birth. And it's a free exercise that you can do. You can have, you can either do it yourself or you can have your partner do it to you. Okay.
0: Sounds great, Lynn. Um, So first off, you mentioned a ton of things and you also mentioned that uh, all of these you found out as, you know, over the course of two decades and even more with the thousands of women that you work with. So a big thank you from literally all others across the world because nobody talks about it enough. (laughs) No, they don't. They they don't, So. I have uh, two questions for you, Lynn. The very first thing is you mentioned a lot of things that happen to the body while giving birth. And so then the very first question is what can women do probably to have a smoother birthing process and um, maybe avoid some of these problems? And then the second question is once these problems do happen for those who are now already postpartum, like myself, um, what are some of the things they can do to improve their pelvic floor function?
1: so, the first question is what we can what can we do to have a smoother birth? Yeah. And I truly believe so um what's so important for birth is to make sure that the baby can get into the best position possible to come through that pelvis. And that requires that your your uterine ligaments are nice and even in balanced. So we want to create space and balance for baby to be able to get into a good position to come through the pelvis. If you're noticing that your baby is only inhabiting one side of your belly, the baby is only like, say, pulled off to your right-hand side, that's telling you that the right side ligaments of your uterus or maybe even your abdominal wall are tighter than the left side and baby's getting pulled over The Baby's going to go where there's space. And so it's going to, to get pulled there. So finding someone who can do the release work to help release your uterine ligaments. Um, Spinning Babies is a great resource. They have some inversion techniques that you can do to try to help um, balance out your uterus. So I highly, there's, uh, I think they have the three three balancing exercises that you could do daily to help your baby, you know, get into the best position. Um, So I would recommend doing those. I would recommend seeing someone who's really good at assessing your belly. So you should be able to hold your belly on either side as baby gets bigger. So in that late second to third trimester, having, you know, taking your baby on either side and can you push it as far to the left as you can to the right? And that's one assessment to just see is the, the ligaments those that'll assess the broad ligaments. So are those even? Um, there's a couple other techniques that I would have a practitioner do to your body, to your belly, to see if the uterosacral ligament and the round ligaments are are tight. So really being aware. Of the position where your baby is. Where are the kicks? Where are the wiggles? So the wiggles are the hands in there. The kicks are really the feet. You want to know where the bump is for the the their butt or where their head is. We want to make sure baby's head is down and and heading into the middle of your pelvis. So the baby's head should be heading right in the middle of your pubic your symphysis pubis in the front. That's the bone way down low and We want that head right in the midline. If the head's off to one side or heading into a hip, that's a sign that there's dysfunction going on. And baby's, again, going into the space of least resistance. And we need to create space. So the the lower rib cage, your rib cage in the back, if that's too tight, then baby's going to get, it's going to push baby off to a side if one side is tighter. So making sure that your rib cage can expand in the back evenly, side to side, is really important. Making sure your baby can get into the best position possible to come on out. And then even more importantly are the pelvic floor muscles. Making sure that the pelvic floor muscles can relax and expand when you go to push. And I would really encourage everyone who's pregnant, Have your partner insert their fingers in vaginally and have them reach back as far so at six o'clock. So if you think of the vaginal opening like a clock, right at six o'clock as your partner puts his finger in at six o'clock, he's going to be on your rectum. And if he pushes down, it's going to feel like I got to go to the bathroom. If he comes off on either side and he could put two fingers in and go on either side of the rectum and reach as far back as he can and then just press down towards the ground. So let's say you're in bed, you're laying in bed and your partner inserts his finger and he just kind of presses down towards the ground. If you just have him hold his fingers there, not not too much pressure, just putting pressure on the t- to know if you're on a muscle, contract. And if his fingers move, you know you're on a muscle. Great. Okay. Now, practice, have you practice pushing your partner's fingers out. Because one of the biggest things that we know is that when some women go to push, instead of relaxing and lengthening their pelvic floor, they're actually tightening it. And that is playing tug of war with the baby. Get those pelvic floor muscles to lengthen and you need to be able to push a baby on out and not try to push, but then tighten do you see how you're going to be keeping your baby in? And, and, and when we have that paradoxical contraction is what we call that, because we want that when you bear down to push baby out, we want those pelvic floor muscles to lengthen. And you can practice that with your partner. Have his fingers internally on a muscle. So do a contraction, relax, and then work on trying to figure out a way to contract and push your partner's fingers out. And if you if, you know, your partner will know if you go because you just did the test to contract to see if the, you know, if you're on a muscle. If you go to push a baby out and you contract, that's the opposite of what you want to be doing. So really learning how to work with your partner, how to work with your body to relax, to push a baby out is critical. We do know that those that do reciprocal or paradoxical uh, pushing are at higher risk for tearing during birth. So that's one way that you can protect your pelvic floor is to learn how to lengthen it and how to effectively push a baby on out. So I would say when you get into around your 30s in your, your pregnancy, week 30, 33, 34, start working on that pushing. Start working on that lengthening of the pelvic floor muscles, because I I teach and I truly believe that the pelvic floor muscles are the stoplight for birth, that if the muscles are too tight and we don't have that ability for them to lengthen and let go, if there's red light tone in there, meaning those muscles are so tight they can't lengthen, that's a stoplight for the baby saying it's not going to be able to come out. If we have yellow light tone, that just means there's a little bit more resistance to coming out, but we want green light tone where the muscles just lengthen and you're able to easily push your partner's fingers out. So that's the key. And then just knowing that no matter what position you get in, no matter what needs to happen, I never tell any of my clients, don't do this because you never know why you may need to do this. And even... With episiotomies, like the episiotomy is where they actually cut the pelvic floor muscles to create more space for baby to come on out. I don't know. Is that a common practice in India for you all? I do. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So um, in the States here, there's a a big push to avoid episiotomies. And we don't because it's like once you cut a muscle, then it's greater, easier to tear. And so there's been this big fear, never, never, never have an episiotomy to just let your tissues tear naturally if they are going to tear. But however, it is a more challenging suturing or stitching up for the provider afterwards. So episiotomies are much neater for them to to stitch up. So it's easier for them to do an episiotomy. However, if so in the States here, you um were like, don't ever do a pesiotomy. We've been like hounding that in the the culture here. Mm-hmm. However, if your baby is stuck and they need to do forceps delivery, it's you're less likely to have a, a grade four three, four tear if they do an episiotomy with that forceps delivery. So there's always a reason and a time to do everything in birth and I think one of the biggest, things that a pregnant person can do is really listen to their body and try to listen. You can only listen to your body if you don't get an epidural, though. So if you get an epidural, then your body is numb and you can't tune in to the signals of what your body needs to do. And most likely when you get an epidural, they have you on your back in your bed. And so you're laying on your sacrum and the sacrum needs to lift backwards for a baby to come up. to to come out so if you're laying on that now the entire pelvis has to lift up for baby to come on out so it's a way harder birth and when I see a client in my clinic um, who's pregnant I work on that okay push my fingers on out and we do it in every position so we'll do it on their back and I have to tell you we'll do it in sideline. And we'll make sure they can push out in sideline. We'll do it in hands and knees. And I'll see if they can push out in hands and knees. And on your back is always the worst and hardest position for people to push. Mm -hmm. So we're at a disadvantage if we are on our backs during labor, mechanically and functionally for us to be able to push.
0: What's amazing is um, I didn't know that you could
1: literally practice pushing, right? I knew we could practice breathe. Yeah. Yeah. It is so important because so many people, when you put your fingers on their pelvic floor, and you're like, okay, push my fingers out. They tighten. And it's like, that's not what you want to be doing during labor. And so you've got to figure out. And one of the things that I tell my moms is really pay attention to what your body does to have a bowel movement. Because having a bowel movement and release it, especially if you're constipated, like what do you do to help get that stool out or get it started? Because that's very similar to what needs to happen during labor, during your pushing as well. So that's something that you could pay attention to and practice every time you have a bowel movement and, and feel that relaxation that needs to happen to allow the stool to come on out. And that's really what during labor, we need to allow the baby to come on out. It's not about pushing or getting the baby out because that is efforting. And with that, we might be tightening. We get to, when we allow, we let go and we allow those pelvic floors to soften and to lengthen. And that is what is critical for birth. So, getting baby into the best position possible because then the right part of the baby's head comes through the pelvis and it's easier for it to come through. Mm-hmm. That's what helps make for a smoother birth. If we get a baby that's OP, so another thing for pregnant people to avoid is to avoid reclining back with your feet up. So laying in a recliner or laying on the couch where you got your feet up on a table in front of you, that is what's going to cause a baby to rotate posteriorly and present in an occiput posterior position, which is having the bigger part of the head come through the pelvis versus the smaller part of the head. So when you get into the thirties, the, you know, 30, 33, 35, avoid being in that reclined position, you know, sit up at 90 degrees, get in hands and knees and spend a lot of time in hands and knees because that's going to rotate your baby's back towards the front of your belly. And that's going to present a more, um, natural position. And, you know, really understand that your belly, like that baby should be more up and down in your belly. When the ligaments are nice and and balanced, when the ligaments are tight, the baby might be more transverse in there. Um, Or it may be off to one side. So the baby's constantly giving you clues and signals as to what's going on. The other fun fact is some people develop this dark line that rises up their belly when they're pregnant. It's called the linea negra. And that line should be absolutely straight. If you notice that that line kind of deviates off at the belly button and and it pulls off to one side... That's telling you that you have some fascial tensions causing that line to be not straight. So as a practitioner, we look at that line to make sure that it's nice and straight and there's no fascial tension on the belly, which could be pulling baby into those patterns too.
0: That's amazing, Lynn, because everything you said, I think there's a lot that women can physically do. And with the right knowledge and awareness, just make the birthing process so much more smoother and not
1: traumatic. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Which
0: kind of brings me to my second question, Lynn. Uh, for those women who are listening in and who are postpartum and who have now gone through that experience not knowing a lot of this information uh, i was suffering with you know pelvic floor issues and prolapse and all of those things that you mentioned what are some of the things they can do uh, to fix that um I,
1: I really my dream and my goal is to have a birth healing specialist in every city in the world so people who have trained with me who know all about these patterns and know how to release these patterns from the body that would be the ideal and I'm working towards that. I don't know if I have anyone trained in India yet. Um, I do have all my courses online. So if there's any practitioners listening or, or you're a, a mom that is working with a practitioner, please let them know about my courses and have them take the online course, because then they're going to learn the skills to be able to better support you in your healing. Um Really, as you know, if you're on your own, the biggest thing is to rest, really rest after having that baby. Like there is a reason that there is a sitting in of 40 days in most cultures in most countries and um, the body needs to recover. There are injuries. And like there's MRI studies that show that there's micro tearing and tearing of the tissue. And, you know, you, you if you tore or you had an episiotomy, that's cut through all the muscles there. You have a dinner size wound, dinner size plate wound in your uterus that needs to heal. So really taking the time and trying to be as horizontal as you can is, you know, first five days, just stay in bed, then stay five days around the bed and then five days near the bed. That's at least 15 days to help give your body the chance to recover. I have a friend over in Russia who has had five or six babies now. And I think after her fifth baby, uh, she really gave her body 30 days of doing nothing but just recovering, getting to know her baby. And she said that was her best recovery of all. And so I really encourage moms to Let your body rest. I mean, you may, you may physically feel fine, but you need to know that there is a lot of healing going on inside your body that you can't see. So take it easy. Do the closing of the bones exercise that is on my YouTube channel. Get your bones back into a better position. If you had any tearing or the episiotomy, it's important to massage that tissue and try to get it softer. Um, scar tissue can be, it, scar tissue is not as flexible as normal, healthy tissue. So rub running it between your face, like compressing it. So when you feel, you'll feel normal tissue is nice and spongy and springy, and then scar tissue is harder. And sometimes it just needs some compression of some sort. So if you insert your thumb in vaginally and just take your outside finger on the outside tissue and just kind of compress and hold it gently, don't create pain. It might feel, there might be pressure. There might be a little burny feeling, but um, don't create pain. Um, No pain, no gain is not what we (laughs) want to think about in the postpartum period when we're healing. Um, If we're having any rib issues... You know, wrap your arms around your lower rib cage and ex- and breathe in. And then as you breathe out, compress your ribs back together to the midline and just really encourage them to come down into the midline. That can help the ribs. Release the sidewall of your abdomen to bring your midline um, muscles back together again. All those are things that can help you to heal in that postpartum period.
0: Uh, Very, very important information, Lynn, that you just shared with us. Um, In postpartum, I think the biggest thing that mothers have in their head right after delivering, I know I did, was when do I I get back to myself, right? When do I start feeling normal? And there's a ton of stuff that keeps happening that makes you not feel normal. And uh, one of those things that women encounter is uh, urine leakage, discomfort and intimacy, I think all of this is from that pelvic region that you just displayed to us. Uh, You have Uh, any suggestions
1: for mothers who are going through such issues? um, So, for pain with intercourse, Getting the bones back together will help soften the the muscles. So when when the bones are on a stretch, being in the open birthing pattern, the muscles that attach to it are on stretch as well, and then they can't expand to allow penetration to happen. So bringing the bones back together can help those muscles to relax a little bit, and that can help. But also um, releasing that scar tissue like I just talked about, compressing that scar tissue, allowing it to soften, that is huge for allowing penetration to happen most actors here in the states at least are just like "Ah, give it time it'll eventually get over and i'm like no there's stuff that we can do working with um pelvic floor physical therapists um i know that there's been some trainings happening down in india there's some instructors that have gone down and are really training pelvic floor physios on how to do work with the the pelvic floor muscles is super, super helpful um, getting that work done. And like I said, if you're working with a pelvic floor or a physical therapist and they're interested in really helping to support postpartum recovery, have them take my holistic treatment of the postpartum body course or I have a treating the postpartum body or postpartum pelvis course that's shorter and, and less expensive, they could start there. Um, But there's so much information to really help someone heal in my holistic treatment of the postpartum body course that I would encourage, like, get your therapists to take my courses online. Mm -hmm. They can learn it and then they can start applying it to your body to help heal. With the leakage, there's two things going on with stress urinary incontinence and that's when you leak urine when you laugh or cough or sneeze or exercise. One of the biggest things that happens in the postpartum period is that your belly gets so stretched out from carrying the baby. And your lower belly muscles near your hip bones get more stretched out than the muscles up by your ribs. And so the body needs to create stability for you in order to you to be able to move, to lift your baby, to carry your baby. And so the muscles that don't get as stretched out tend to work more than the muscles that got stretched out most. So your lower belly kind of gets, I call it like turned off. And I put that in quotes because they're not really turned off, but they're just so lengthened that they're lazy, But your upper abdomen muscles aren't as lazy and they're trying to stabilize you, but that's not really their job. So when you go to use your upper abs by your rib cage, you may notice that your lower belly kind of juts out as you go to do that. Well, that jutting out could be putting more pressure down on your bladder, causing you to leak. It's really important to get your pelvic floor muscles to contract better, to pull in your lower belly. As you go to contract together, so that when you go to contract your abdomen, your lower belly is drawing in first it, instead of your upper belly. So if you put your hands near your rib cage and put your hands down on your lower belly and you blow out a hundred birthday candles, C does, I'm trying to do this, so this is upper, this is lower. As you blow out, does the upper belly come in more or does the lower belly come in first? okay we need to get the lower belly to come in and then upper belly so that's think thinking about pelvic floor and then pulling belly back up and in like you're zipping up a zipper is what we want to do how we want to activate those the abdominal muscles if we're unzipping it and we're pressing down up top first you're putting too much pressure down so helping to figure out how to contract your belly again after birth is super important and also the um, um, oh the bladder i talked earlier about how the bladder gets smushed off to one side getting the bladder back into place allows the pressure from the abdomen to reach the urethra which keeps that pressure higher than the bladder pressure which helps to keep the urine inside Another issue with stress incontinence is the bladder may just be out of position and that that's not anything that you can change yourself. You need a practitioner to help you to do that. And again, my holistic treatment of the pregnant or postpartum body course can teach someone how to do intravaginal work, how to work with those tissues to be able to release and just know that if Someone takes my courses and they're working on you. It should not create pain. Um, I I teach a very respectful approach to the body and do not believe in creating pain to try to help heal someone. So
0: amazing stuff, Lynn. Amazing stuff. I mean, you told us about so many things. I think it's uh, it's been an incredibly insightful discussion with you today. Uh, we touched upon topics around pregnancy, postpartum, what happens in women's body. I think uh, across the world and, you know, I speak for everybody in India, in US and everybody, everywhere else. um, People stop looking at mothers the moment the baby is born, right? You don't really care. (laughs) I see you relate to that. They don't really care what's going on with their body and the fact that, you know, you've spent so many years figuring out such an important, um, you know, change that happens in women's bodies. Uh, and you've structured that out. I think it's been incredibly valuable to speak to you today, Lynn. And I'm sure that everybody who's listening in, we will make sure that Lynn's, um, Lynn is approachable, whether you're a practitioner and want to help out more women here, or whether you're a mother who wants to still learn from Lynn, uh, please uh, go reach out to her. Um, we will stay definitely in constant touch, Lynn. It's
1: It's been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all that. us. Yes. Yes. yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. And please check out, I do have a course that, that is a pro, applicable for moms on my website. It's my Confidence in Your Core Pelvic Floor and More course. So if anyone is interested in um, checking that out, you can, it's an online course. You can learn how to, I I go over in more detail everything that I talked about as far as recovering and what you can do really about getting that belly to, to work in a proper way. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Hina. Thanks, everybody, for listening in.